Welcome to Level with Emily Reese. This is music by Gary Scheiman from Forspoken. That's the new action RPG from Luminous and Square Enix. It came out last week on January 24th, 2023. It's a mostly orchestral score recorded in Nashville with a live orchestra. And I mean, it's Gary Scheiman, so the music is absolutely fantastic. It's full of life and motion and full of emotion. It's lush, and it's rhythmic, and it's beautiful at times. I interviewed Gary before the game came out, and I was given a selection of music. So I got six tracks, and those are the six tracks that you'll hear throughout our chat. Gary, for years, has taught at USC, the University of Southern California, in the film and game scoring program. So we talk about that briefly, too, along with some fun Bioshock memories. You can find us on Discord. That link is down in the show notes. Join us there to talk about this and other episodes. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. You'll find my conversation with Gary there, as well as many other composers and musicians in the game world. And if you can support us on Patreon, we would appreciate that. Uh, Head over to patreon.com slash level to learn more about that. All right, here is Gary. game uh, is uh, fantasy, uh, real, I don't know if it's called an RPG. It is. Role-playing. Yeah, I guess you would call it an RPG. Um, and you play a character named Frey. Frey is a young woman living in New York and whose life is pretty kind of devolving and not doing well at all she's struggling and uh mysteriously and amazingly she gets transported to the world of athia which is uh, a fantasy world and but but a dangerous fantasy world and it's about her navigating that world and being sort of like the reluctant um you know hero uh and uh fighting her way through a very insane, crazy world. It, it, you know what? I, one of the things that I think is really cool about the game is that it it, it has a very emotional aspect to it. And I, and I think at the end of the game, you'll feel very connected to the characters and particularly to Frey, of course, mm-hmm. and to her journey, not only the, the journey of, you know, getting through this world and all the battles and, fighting that she has to do but uh, she has a struggle in in how she deals with it and overcomes all that emotionally so i i think that well for one thing it gave me an opportunity to write some beautiful music (laughs) which is always cool from a game composer who's written a lot of dark scary music it's kind of really nice to write a melody that's really beautiful so in any event so that's sort of the overview i don't want to give any spoilers you know yeah, yeah. Uh, because you'll have to play the game uh but i think one of the things that is going to entice gamers is the gameplay dynamic and the, all the battling and the magic and all that stuff which is amazing mm-hmm. so i think people will really enjoy that aspect of the game as well. But again, there's also this, they they hired some really good writers 
uh, Hollywood yeah. writers. They got Hollywood writers, uh, and uh, and who wrote a really wonderful script. So there's lots of cool stuff. And in fact, there's a lot of cinematics cutscenes that I scored. Nearly yeah. an hour of cutscenes. So oh, wow. there's all that too. So there, and all those, of course, are acted out by the by the various actors and do a great job. And so there's so there's a there's a there's a story and a game here that I think uh, people will really enjoy. definitely right up my alley a big open world like rpg fantasy kind of there's sci-fi-esque aspects to it too in a way you know and um i just i love that uh and and given that you know the score i got to hear i think i was sent six tracks i'm not entirely sure i i have them all written out because i have questions about each of them but um six or seven tracks and uh uh, what I heard, I absolutely loved, and and like you said, there are a lot of soaring melodies, but largely orchestral, right? So, talk to me about you know the choices to keep the music. Um, I guess I don't think traditional is a fair word to use, but orchestral, you know. Yeah, that was definitely from the start. They wanted, and this is Luminous Games, who made the, who are the developers, and they're part of the Square Enix world. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they wanted an orchestral school, score that was decided at the top, uh, okay. at the beginning. And, uh, you know, I, I worked, I scored this game with my good friend, Bear McCreary, mm. uh, who, who was involved most more at the, at the early stages because he wrote some lovely themes mm. for the, for the game. And, uh, but it was clear that they wanted an orchestral approach to it. That said, we use synth elements and unusual instruments and, uh, um, viola de amor, uh, which became sort of like an instrument that I used a lot. And also, uh, there's a, because Car- uh, Frey uh, is the main character, we found a wonderful singer. She, uh, the, the woman who plays Frey and also the character in the game is black. And mm-hmm. so we found this amazing singer. Uh, India Carney, who's also black, but her her she just did these beautiful solos. Yeah. So I she got incorporated. She's sort of the voice of Frey. Okay, and I, I, that's how I thought of her. You know, in in game, and she 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 lives here in Los Angeles. Oh, cool. uh, we also the the choir was recorded in Los Angeles with L.A. singers. The oh, wow. orchestra was recorded in Nashville. And I went, I spent a week in Nashville to record the orchestra. And we actually did record some remotely in Vienna as well. Oh, wow. So we recorded, yeah, Vienna has a wonderful reputation. The, the, I was going to record the entire orchestral score in Los Angeles. We had the resources to do that. But be, at that time, because of the COVID restrictions, yep. it was going to add like a, a lot. I mean, like $50,000 <laughs> in additional recording costs to record in Los Angeles, <laughs> which made no sense. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. and it, it just would have meant we had less, like a much smaller orchestra or yeah. less time with the orchestra or mm-hmm. some cues would have to go without any orchestral treatment, just samples and synths out of the box. Mm-hmm. 
so it made more sense to go to Nashville. We had a great time in Nashville. Yeah. I, was, I really had a fantastic week. And and they and the Nashville chicken is really good too. The spicy chicken. <laughs> <laughs> you like spicy chicken? No, and yeah, Nashville yeah. was great. Um, the awesome. studio there is uh, is it's not like like Fox or something like that, which is where yeah. I would have recorded it here. It's a smaller stage, okay. and it doesn't have quite the acoustic. Uh, beauty of a box, but it's it sounded really good. The only okay. it, it is a, a converted church. It's an old church, and okay. the downside is that if a big truck rumbles by, we have to stop the take. <laughs> 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 so it's not soundproof. Like a, 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 a really true studio or scoring stage, as they're called, the big ones mm-hmm. uh, are like thick concrete walls and they have airspace in between and the floors are literally up off the ground and there's like some rubber or something in between the floor the concrete and the ground so that any rumbling gets absorbed Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so that it's 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 quite a a complex thing to make like a truly professional scoring stage on fox of course is in the middle of a studio so there are cars from but you don't hear any cars whatever so that's it that's it it was a very minor issue because we did not hear cars but (laughs) but if it was a big truck rumbling by we would have to go uh, you know and and it was funny because i'd be i conducted and i'd be conducting I didn't even hear the truck. And they go, we got to do another take because we yeah. heard the truck. And we go, okay. Yeah. Start. Well, it's those oh, yeah. low frequencies, right? The low bass that yeah. we maybe wouldn't hear anyway, but it definitely is picked up by the mics and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> so that was, that was, so yeah, we did, we did have a, a beautiful, and, and the players in Nashville are wonderful. They're, yep. They've gotten so good. I mean, that the secret to, you could you could have you could go. There's so many great orchestras in the world, but it is different recording with an orchestra that has never recorded. You know, like the the, the trick is to do it a lot and to like become really good readers because they have yeah. to read this music. They're looking at it for the first time, and it's kind of like mm-hmm. amazing how good they are. But that does not. It's one thing if you're playing Beethoven Symphony for the ninety thousandth time or whatever yeah yeah yeah. Brahms or whatever that you're familiar with that music and yeah there's contemporary music that they have to learn but to to sight read this music and perform it well very what within two or three takes four takes maybe Mm -hmm. that takes doing it a lot and because Nashville has been very successful over the last like 15 years where they've been really doing it uh, they they're really they have a really good orchestra there now. I mean, the, the, they and they sound fantastic. The, the music is absolutely gorgeous and lush and and, and all of that. Um, let's go ahead and talk about the track, the first track that I heard, which was Janoon. That's what I'm going to say, Janoon, uh, Janoon World One. And, uh, you know, there are certain instruments that I heard kind of throughout 
the handful of tracks that I heard. I heard some harp and oboe featured a couple of times, and I'm curious if those were just choices that you made in the moment or if you were like, I, I want harp to be a through line in this score. Harp became an important element. You know, it's, okay. it, there's a little story. I don't know how interesting the story is, but <laughs> I, so initially, I uh, before before we went to Nashville, I wanted to, I'd never recorded there, but I'd heard okay. good things about it. Yeah. But because my music can sometimes be not so easy to play because I I'm make, keep them busy, as they say, uh, <laughs> I did a remote session and I had harp sampled harp but we hired a harp player mm -hmm. and i was not entirely pleased with the harp okay so i said let's not record harp you know my my, my harp sample sounds fine let's just not record so we didn't record harp in okay. nashville we got back and i said you know there's so much harp in this i i and so i brought in a wonderful harpist gail levant who i've used for years and we replaced all of my sampled harp oh, wow. with Gale. So the harp and, and she just and we did it. We did it as an overdub because, of course, the harp was isolated as a stem, as they call it. As, a, as sure. so, we we did we, we weren't stuck with it, and we just replaced it. Nice. And so the harp did become an because I was using the harp a lot, which mm. I love the instrument. It's like such oh, an yeah. amazing instrument. Yeah, you know that. We we definitely it definitely became one of the sounds of of uh, the forespoken music. So this is one of the tracks where she's, there's these different parts of the world of Athia, and one is Janun. Okay. And so this is one of those tracks where, she, where the, the, your your character, Ray, is traveling through this area for the first time. Okay. And and it's beautiful. It's, it's ruggedly beautiful. And uh, so it's just, it's just, it's just to make, make this journey, sort of reinforce the beauty uh, and the, you know, character of this part mm -hmm. of the world, yeah. And harp, of course, is uh, is definitely a big part of it. And I just, I just thought this was a a, a pretty, very lovely cue. I thought, anyways. Yeah. And uh, I, I remember writing this cue. I, I, this was actually the second one that I, I wrote something, and they they weren't happy with it. This happens all the time with with us composers, for but, sure. Uh, yeah. And and and, um, and then and then I wrote this, and I go, oh, this is really nice. I'm, I was really glad they made me re rewrite it because well, they gave me some input. They, they, yeah. What I had done was not quite fitting. Um, okay. The, the, that world, and then and they loved this. They were yeah. like, yeah, that's that's beautiful. So. Um, yeah, the texture is great. How you've got the, you know, I don't know if it's in three or six. I don't know how you thought of it. If if you were thinking in eighth notes or sixteenth notes as these subdivisions, but like, but like the, you know, there's this constant marcato rhythm underneath of these eighth or sixteenths, and then these legato flowing melodies over top. And I I loved that mixture in in the texture quite a bit. 
Yeah, they're eights, and it's in three, four. Okay. The Q's in okay. three. And uh, yeah, okay. just you know, it's like what you never know. It's it's it is it's weird how you find the meter and all this sort of thing. It's just sort of like it's intuitive. It's entirely intuitive. I don't think I, I never say I'm going to write a Q in three four. You know. Right. No. Right. It's just like I oh, this oh this music's in three <laughs> clearly in three. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So. <clears throat> it just um it was those chord changes at the beginning that I that I first occurred to me as I wrote da, 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 da. The, that's mm-hmm. really what sort of inspired me. That I mean that's the compositional process for me, anyways. And I think for maybe most composers, it's like something, some idea occurs to you. Mm-hmm. And then I don't think the melodies occurred to me first. I think <clears throat> it was that chord progression, chord oh, okay. progression. Okay. And then the melodies worked over that, you know. great horn lines too uh, that the the horn just like jumps up a major seventh and uh then then they do it as a section later on i just loved that loved it thank yeah. you yeah we had a great horn section nashville yeah. has a wonderful we had six horns oh, and, nice uh, <laughs> yeah i don't remember the name of the first horn player but she was really good she was complaining a lot really <laughs> so, this is really hard but i was going but you're getting it you're nailing it you know yeah. <laughs> I mean, that is high. That probably is kind of high yeah, for a horn, maybe. But, but yeah. she she was great. That is something that often you struggle with as a composer, is like finding the brass. The brass... You know, the strings, you tend to have a good supply of strings in many, many locations in the world. But it's the yeah. brass that you go, oh, man, there's, the brass is not cutting it. But the brass <laughs> in this in this instance, they were yeah. wonderful. And yeah. you know, we had six of them. And six is a good number yeah. of, of uh, horns to have. Yep, yep. Uh, the next track that uh, I got to hear, I'm not sure how to say it. It's C I P A L, Sipal, the last Sipal, Sipal, the last bastion. Yeah. Now, yeah. this, I, I, those first three chords, first four chords, didn't hit me until I heard them the second time in the middle, and then I thought of Thomas Tallis, of course, because these are like the chords, right? So, so talk to me about the beautiful, like. Full. You're using strings from bottom to top in those opening chords, and it's so lush. Yeah, uh, I think the idea of having a Vaughn Williams-esque vibe to it, you know, yeah. was uh, because the, it was well, Sepal is the capital of the world of Athia. Okay, and it's the place that is clearly like um, that's where you land in uh, in Athia. Uh, in in the okay. city of Sepal, and they're under siege from these forces, sort of coming in. There's there's this sort of uh, horror kind of you know, imposing itself. So, okay. but so it needed a theme. But it, it is an ancient city, 
and it, and it's sort of a, a beautiful place, you know. Uh, and so that that's really that was what they wanted. They wanted a yeah. theme for for uh, Sapal, this this city, and and it, they wanted a noble quality to it as well. Yeah. I love the mode too in this one. Like, you know, it's basically just a major scale, right? But a flat six and seven and it's right, like right. kind of that fantasy kind of vibe. But um, but again, really pretty, right? It's not minor and, you know, overly aggressively epic or anything. It's just very lovely. Yeah, it has some minor, major triads in it. And, yeah, um, <laughs> imagine that. Which is, which is really nice. And, uh, and of course, the orchestra nailed it. You know, you mentioned India Carney, and you know she does sound absolutely great on on these tracks. Uh, Vagabond, I'm uh, thinking of Vagabond. Vagabond with again, there's really great energy in here with like kind of an ostinato rhythm in the background, but these flowing beautiful things. Um, how much direction did you give her, or like how does that kind of relationship work when the singer is doing this kind of improvisatory addition to the texture, as you know, in a way? Yeah, I mean the 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 great thing about doing it as an overdub is I don't have the orchestra sitting there while right. we experiment, you know. Right. So <laughs> and and so I've I've learned over the years that if you have a part that like this and you want the singer or the player or whatever to to experiment, mm-hmm. then the cost-effective way to do it is to bring them in separately and just take your time because it's 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 an orchestra is really expensive. It's like you know maybe sixty people sitting there burning yeah. the, the bucks are burning uh, <laughs> versus one person. You know, yeah. uh, so you have the studio cost and it's it's minor relative. Plus, we didn't need to have her come into like a, a giant studio. We went to the actually we went to my engineer Dan Blessinger's new studio. He just built a studio in Torrance, oh, cool. and it's really cool. It's nice. really it's a lovely it's a really great studio. Awesome. But um, so I wrote parts for her. She was reading melodies, but then I would say to her because she also had the chord changes in the chart that she had. You know the the, the her her part. Yeah, and I said. You want to improvise? Go for it. So I let her improvise. So it's a combination of her improvising and her singing the parts that I wrote for her. Um, and then she's also in Unwavering Resolve, which sounded a bit more like a combat track to me. Now, I know you said um, you wrote for a lot of uh, 
cutscenes and and the like. Uh, right. You know, how much kind of combaty music did you really get get your fingers into? There is a lot of combat music. Okay, yeah. There's probably an hour of combat. In oh this wow! Game. Okay, okay. That's I was pretty. I was burned out on combat music. <laughs> 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 this, this, like, you know, I feel like that's a common thing for composers that I hear is that they kind of get a little burned out on doing the combat music sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, because there can just be so much of it, and you feel like you don't want to repeat yourself. Yeah. Um, but but you're just, especially once you've developed a particular style, and you're sort of staying in that style. So yeah, yeah so an hour of it. Because think about it, that's like thirty. Because most of these combat cues were in game. As a matter of fact, I think all of the combat there's there's some combat in the cinematics. I'm not even counting that, you know. Sure. But. Um, <laughs> But at least I had picture to play. That helps when you have picture to play because, okay, here's what I'm scoring, you know. But mm -hmm. so the in-game combat was, okay, you know what's going on. You know if she is fighting, there's these uh, tantas or witches that you're okay. fighting. And so you know which one. They all have sort of themes that represent them. Okay. But, um, you know, it's just two-minute. Most of them are two-minute combat cues, two-minute looping Combat sure, cues. So, sure. So you're just writing a ton of those. I probably wrote 30 of them. If I'm, wow. I'm, 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 I'd have to count them. I may be, it might, I might be off by a few. Yeah. Up yeah. or down, up or down. But, it, <laughs> but that, that would be pretty much that. That's a lot of combat yeah. music to write, you know. Mm -hmm. But it was fun. I mean, the combat was fun to write as well. I'm not, I'm not complaining. For sure. Yeah. But, but it just, I was burned out on it. I was like, okay. That's, <laughs> That's enough. I remember they were thinking, well, do we need another combat cue for this? And I go, ah, I don't think you actually do. I don't think you have enough combat music. <laughs> <laughs> Four combat music cues for this one sequence, you know, because it would be different oh, things would yeah. occur. Mm -hmm. Like, like you fight these uh, tantas, and there's these different. I, I, I don't know how much. I don't want to give spoilers away. The game but, will be uh, out by the time. I mean, well, if that helps, okay. it'll, it'll be out because it's going to be All a right, few so, weeks. Okay, well, it'll still be a few weeks. So you're fighting, and there's different aspects of it. So they may have minions that you're fighting their, their okay. underlings that are fighting for her. And then you're fighting them. And then all of a sudden, that taunt is super enraged, and you want to do something. They want a different cue for that intensity, that driving intensity of, uh, mm -hmm. uh, of that. So... <laughs> so that's you know so you end up writing the one after another after another and so it can be it can be a challenge but I mean yeah. I, I I did it and uh, and I feel like you know I, I tell my students I teach at USC and the screen scoring program there which is for twenty cohort students who want to become film TV and game composers mm -hmm. you know and I tell them I, when I first when I was a young composer years ago I used to write action music for a film and TV because it was a long time ago there was no games essentially in the 80s and 90s <laughs> yeah. uh, there were some games but not not like today yeah and uh i was always like challenged and like oh man i gotta write an action cue whatever and it's like it was something i always hated because i not because it's 
but it's because it's really hard and I, and I didn't feel it was like my forte. And I said, yeah. I was cured by game music because I, <laughs> once you start writing for a game, it's like you, you either sink or swim. It's like you're <laughs> like somebody's dad throwing them in the pool. You know, you can swim here. There you go. So you're thrown in the pool, you know, without any, uh, any, yeah. uh, life raft or whatever. Amazing. And and you have to sink or swim. So I swam. I decided I wanted to do more yeah. more game scores. So mm-hmm. I had to write I, and I've gotten really good at it. I yeah. think I've written a lot of combat music now and, and I think I some of I think some really, you know, some of my best music has been action mm-hmm. because and I and they they are fun to write and they're fun to yeah. record and mix, you know, cuz they're yeah. really you know, but yeah. Too much of a good thing, you know. Yeah. It's like you know, cake today, and then yeah. What's on the What's on the menu? More cake. More cake. <laughs> <laughs> I think that was probably, uh, uh, and I remember talking to you about it uh, years and years ago. Now was that was one of my favorite things about Bioshock Infinite was your combat music. It was some of my favorite, still to this day, some of my favorite combat music ever in a game. Well, you're a glutton for punishment then. That's so, <laughs> it's so intense. And I know. On chalkboard. I you know. know, it, it is funny because I always thought, you know, like when I was writing it, I go, okay, I think the idea is like to make this combat music so intense and so un- <laughs> it, that people will want to defeat the enemy just to stop the music from playing. <laughs> <laughs> it's like an incentive. You know, it's like like when I play some of those cues for my classes, they love those cues. Yeah, it's amazing. It it is. It's cool music. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, I have to thank um, Ken Levine, who pushed me to write in this style with small string ensembles. We talked about this. You know, we talked about it. It's small. Mm -hmm. It's not like a giant 90-piece orchestra playing this music. It's these small, intense, really, uh, you know, close-miked, strings yeah. wheeling away and some mm-hmm. percussion but but that that was very effective yeah anvil or something whatever that clanging yeah was some an- anvil is a anvil good, more anvil good. yeah <laughs> amp up the anvil yeah it's so good um there's a really beautiful cue at the end too that uh, uh we got to hear because just reminding that the game as of this interview is not out yet but of course will be by the time this gets published um the rite of remembrance and honoring the departed. So it's there's no secret that this is some kind of tribute to people who have fallen in battle or something, some such, right? It's funerary kind of music. Right. So right. Um, right. really, but again, gave you an opportunity, right, to write something really beautiful. So talk to me about that. Thank you. Yeah, that's that is as, as long as people are, uh, the game's already come out and the scores are. So you'll see these titles. Yeah, that that's exactly what's occurring there. And mm-hmm. uh, and it's part of as I mentioned earlier in our conversation that the emotional aspect of this yeah. game. And I mm-hmm. think that is sort of like the moment where you really you know maybe draw a tear or two because it, <laughs> it, you you care about these characters and you yeah. seen it. And, and also there is a revelation that. Uh, occurs in the game okay that the character realizes something very significant and so that's sort of also 
honored okay. in this aspect of okay. of the score, you know, and and, or, and of course the visuals as well, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. which is essentially a cinematic. It's, you're basically to, it's a long, like a, I think it's a three minute cinematic. I'm not sure. I forget how long that cue is. When it comes to the cinematics, um, you know, I'm always curious because I'm sure it, I would imagine it's different from project to project, but when you're getting a cinematic, you know, exactly how much direction are you given in terms of what posts to hit throughout the uh, scene? Or uh, are you just kind of given free reign to musically point out things that you feel you want to point out? You know what I mean? Yeah, it sometimes you are asked to catch certain things but they didn't they did not request that mm-hmm. it's, it is it's actually a funny funny may not be the right word it's an interesting aspect of scoring because you find that with different directors or you know some, of course I'm talking about scoring to picture now so with different directors you they want a lot of stuff caught i remember ken levine loved when i caught things and of course i didn't have a lot of cinematics in bioshock but in bioshock infinite there was a but he loved catching things you know Mm -hmm. but others don't they want you to sort of play through and maybe just subtly catch things so you have to sense that you know and you you just have to use your intuition as well it's like Mm -hmm. what's important you know the the term mickey mousing is a term that composers uh, film composers use when because that's a cartoon that in cartoons and animation you're more likely to catch lots of little things so you know um sure think of the warner brother cartoons of years ago where literally every movement of the characters is uh nailed by the composer so that is not something you want to do most of the time okay you want to find those important moments to to enhance and sometimes it's they're subtly enhanced you know you 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 are underscoring and catching something but it's in a subtle way and other times it's quite like yeah you want to nail it you know mm-hmm. um so it i i i'm i it's intuitive it's just like yeah, yeah i think that that some sometimes it's so clear you know the character sees something mm-hmm. and has an emotional reaction and you want to underscore that that's yeah. where where music does its does its job uh, and, but other, and there are certainly folks, directors, what you work with who go, you're playing too much, you know, that they, they yeah, will okay. be concerned about that. But I feel like when it's done right and mm-hmm. when it's done subtly, you know, when it should be subtle, I mean, sometimes like, you know, all of a sudden, you know, you open the curtain and there's a guy with a knife and he's stabbing, <laughs> you know, <laughs> Bernard Herman had to catch that, you know, you can't like. <laughs> Just play through that, you know. <laughs> so there's times yeah. when it's so obvious that you got to just completely, you know, rit, rit, rit. you know, Amazing. we have to do that. We Amazing. have to do that sometimes. But other times when it's done just right, it's just subtle. And it's mm-hmm. and it's like, you know, it, it, some people have said, and I think it's true, that good film music is not heard. Oh. It's sort of like you're just so sucked in. 
you, you're just you, yeah. you're just completely in flow with what's going on. And yeah, you're aware of that there's really beautiful music or really intense music, but it's not you're not listening to the notes so much as you are feeling it, you know. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's generally true, you know, in in scoring anything, you know. That yep. if, if you're if you're noticing it too much, it it's off it can often be distracting. It means there's like maybe the music is uh is not working. Right. I've, I've seen films. You, I'm sure we've all seen films where like the music is just like annoying us. You yeah. know? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I just don't yeah. score it, you know, take it out yeah. or whatever. <laughs> yeah. 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 So <laughs> don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. And then, the, and then hopefully the music can be enjoyed separately. Uh, you buy the soundtrack, you know, yep. and, yep. Uh, or just listen to it on YouTube because it's usually it all ends up there wherever, you know, right. <laughs> Everything ends up on YouTube. Everything. I know it's like <laughs> it's like the uh, ultimate. Yeah, you know. Yeah, <laughs> Gary. I know. You know. In the past, you've had opportunities to write uh, music for music's sake. You know, write music for stage or or whatnot. Have you had a chance to do any of that lately, or are you really just busy with game composing and teaching? I'm trying to think, I, I haven't lately. Uh, mm. I think. Part of that is like the market for it is, you know, it's like the market for poetry. It's not not exactly, uh, you know, and I think most most of us who write for the concert stage, it's like really hard to get a performance, especially if you're writing for a big orchestra. Because writing for a string quartet is much easier. But if you're writing for an orchestra, I mean, I had my viola concerto performed a few years ago and that was wonderful but it's like it's just like you write this music and you put your heart into it and then there's no market for it. you're never going to make any money likely yeah yeah to, uh, for that effort yeah. and then but <clears throat> that said that's not so important if you are going to get a performance and you're going to have it's going to get heard mm-hmm. so um I'm I'm not right now. I'm 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 okay. I have I find a great satisfaction from the music I write that yeah. that for you know mm-hmm, for mm-hmm. games mostly for games yeah. and uh, maybe maybe a film this year we'll see. Oh, nice. Um, okay, yeah. interesting. Yeah. And how are the students this year? How's the class? Like how how are you finding it this <laughs> this time? They're great. Yeah. That we know we we get several hundred people applying. Yeah. So we take less than 10% of them. And so Amazing. if we've chosen correctly, you know, they, they apply, actually we're in the process right now and I help out. Uh, there's about five of us in the faculty who listen to, they, they pr- provide examples of their music and mm-hmm. they interview themselves about talking about why they want to be in the program, why they're interested in scoring oh, cool. films, games, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So you do your best to choose. So I think we have a, a great group right oh, now. Cool. It's, it's it's really, it is a pleasure, you know, um, they're, they're so in, they're so into it. And, and yeah. uh, I, I feel like, you know, I play a small role in their future, you know, it feels really <laughs> good. I'm, and I also feel like I make friends, you know, I, I see a lot of them. I'm in, I'm in the SCL society of composers and lyricists and they come to the various events and we hug and see each other years later. And it's like really cool That's awesome. to have these, you know, mm-hmm. friends and students, you know? So yeah, it's, it's great. Good. I'll see him tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> How many a day, days a week are you uh, uh, on campus? One day. Just oh, just one. Day. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Do you it's do a, any remote anything or you're just on campus one day a week and that's that's the extent? 
just on campus one day mm-hmm. a week. We, um, we of course, there was a year where we were on Zoom because yeah. of COVID. Yeah. So that was, um, and and we, you know what? One of the one of the good things that came out of that is that we can do Zoom, and we've sort of learned how to use it. It's yes. quite an interesting tool. Yeah. And for instance, my good friend and co-writer on this project, Bear McCreary, <clears throat> is um, going to do a Zoom meeting with my class in February. Oh, cool! So yeah. just literally just arrange that. So um, nice. excited. Ex- they're, they're excited to to meet him. He's been mm-hmm. doing amazing things, you know. So it's yep. it's so it's great to have that option when when it's appropriate. I've had other um, composer friends, you know, like um, um, I don't know, very, Tom Salta, folks oh, yeah. that that who don't live in Los Angeles who mm-hmm. can join the class because of Zoom. And so we all just yeah. Zoom, do Zoom that day. Um, they prefer, I mean, the, the school, USC wants us to be in person. They definitely are pushing that. And the students mm-hmm. want to do in person as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But w- when you have some opportunity that can only be done by Zoom, that's great. That That is really mm-hmm. cool that, that that is now an option that works yeah. really well. The other cool thing is you can record it and, and yeah. people who might not have been able to attend can listen to it later, et cetera. Yeah, yeah, it's great. It's really changed how we do the podcast here. So, I mean, it's changed, I think, how radio's done. It's changed all kinds of things, yeah. Um, yeah, it's really, it's kind of opened up. And, you know, I have, like, friends who don't live in L.A. And, and now when we meet on Zoom, I feel like like hanging out with you. You're a friend. Yeah. Like, we can kind of just hang out and yeah. – uh, and if, it, it's it's better than a phone conversation. There's nothing wrong with a phone, it but it's like it feels like you've had time, a better contact, you know, with that yeah. person. So yeah, I agree. I think I was very hesitant as such an audio fo- focused person. I was so hesitant. I'm like, I can do fine interviews over audio. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. But. Then just when everybody just got accustomed to being on Zoom and you just didn't even, you don't even think about it being weird anymore. You know, it's just like, oh, we're video chatting. It's completely normal. Um, And kind of relaxing into that uh, has been a really fun thing. And I I enjoy it too. I I feel like there is just a little bit more of a, a connection that can happen that way. Yeah. Yeah. I, I I agree. So whatever. My, and my now my wife is a therapist, and she's she does all of her therapy on Zoom, yeah. and she prefers that. She she she's a therapist, and you can only do therapy if you're uh, licensed in California to someone who is living in California. Yep. But she has clients in San Francisco, and we live in L.A., which you oh. could never have done in the past. Right, right. So she has clients all over the state now. Oh, interesting. Who, who do therapy? remotely through mostly Zoom or yeah. sometimes FaceTime, whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh and so she prefers that. And yeah. They're they're they don't have to drive across town to yep. meet with the therapist. Yeah. That's how I do it now too. When when people started going back into offices and stuff, my therapist was like, it's up to you. And I thought about it because I was like, you know, I think it's it's fine. It's working fine for me to do this over Zoom. I can see how for some people that wouldn't work, but you know, I was like, "This is this is great. Let's keep doing it this way." And um, I've I've been fine with that. I think it's great. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. really it, so. There's so that there's some 
good stuff came out of that horrible illness. Yes. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, Gary, what more do you want to say about Forspoken? Well, I, you know, if you're a gamer, uh, definitely play the game. Play the play the demo. The demo is uh, free to play. Yeah, uh, and I think that will entice you to to dive into the pool yeah. <laughs> because it's really it's really cool. I think you'll enjoy the score. The score will For be sure. available. The soundtrack will be available. Oh, good. Uh, if you okay. want, if you want to purchase it, you know. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, I it, it was a delight to work on on this project. I'm grateful to uh, to everyone at uh, Luminous Games and Square Enix for bringing me on board and yeah. giving me uh, the resources to record it with an orchestra. It's always a privilege. That's always <laughs> yeah. you know because I, I I meet so many composers who go I never get to work with orchestra and I go oh man I'm so lucky I'm so <laughs> lucky to get that. Because it's expensive, yeah. you know? Yeah. It's really expensive. And so you have mm-hmm. to have the game with the resources, um, yep. they have the budget to justify it, etc. to hear it. I cannot wait to hear the rest. And I was going to ask you, so it is officially going to get a release, the soundtrack. Uh, yes. Yeah. So that's good news. Yeah. Well, I always encourage people to buy it if possible or stream it as much as possible. And Gary, thanks so much for chatting with me today. Appreciate it. Sure, Emily. Thanks so much for inviting me on. It's just good always to hang with my old friend and uh, talk about some music. Thank you for listening to Level with Emily. You can learn more about Gary Scheiman, see a playlist, and support Level with Emily at patreon.com slash level. Check out the video of the chat that I had with Gary on the Level with Emily YouTube channel and subscribe to that channel. That helps us out a great deal. The other thing that helps us out is if you could leave a review wherever you get your podcasts and tell them how absolutely fantastic we are here at Level. I'm Emily Reese. Sam Keenan is our producer. Say hi, Sam. Fantastic, eh? You can follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Level with Emily and learn more about us at levelwithemily.com. That's made possible by Adam Selvage at Tiki Web Services. Composer Brad Gentle manages our YouTube channel. Level with Emily Reese is a production of June Media Inc. Here at Level with Emily, we're part of the Audio Podcast Alliance. It features a hand-picked selection of the very best podcasts about sound. You can hear the latest episodes from our friends in the community at audiopodcast.org.